Hello and welcome to Bears Beyond the Gate, a Bristol Bears podcast made by fans for fans. We're four season ticker holders at Ashton Gate who love the club, the game and all things Bears. So for a light-hearted take on Bristol's progress on and off the pitch this season, stay tuned. In this week's show we discuss the 7-7 draw away at Zebre and look forward to the home quarterfinal against the Dragons in the Challenge Cup. We look ahead to our next league game at home to Gloucester and talk about who may play in this eagerly anticipated West Country derby. This week we finish with the biggest gets my goat yet as we give our thoughts on the Saracen saga and what it means for the Premiership. I'm Tony and this week I'm joined by Lee, Pete and Miles for a cheeky beer and some rugby banter. Well, it's Sunday evening and uh, Pete, thank you very much for hosting at your place. Great to see you here, boys. We, a new paint job as I, well. I, I can see the room that we've always recorded in has in <laughs> fact been redecorated, but we, we were kind of hoping that there'd be some soundproofing done and some mics and things, but obviously you didn't win that, that argument with your good lady. No, we, we did discuss it. We said that this is an ideal pod studio, but, um, you know, what step by step, Tony, you know, give it a bit of time maybe season two ah very nice too very nice too so gentlemen um what what uh 72 hours for for rugby really um i think we've got plenty to talk about so let's crack straight on so um, zebra away seven seven maybe not the game and the result we were expecting so let, let me come to to miles first for your thoughts uh, to be fair i only caught the last 10 minutes of the game on the live streaming streaming sorry i was having an all you can eat buffet lunch i'm afraid with the family um, and i whilst i did have wi-fi i thought it was a bit rude to watch the game um yeah i mean i came back and, and turned on the on, on my phone to find what i described as a mud bath really Saw the last 10 minutes and was flicking between that and the BBC. Um, and it didn't look that convincing, to be honest with you. And luckily, I got a flash of the scoreboard, realised we were still 7-0 down, and then lucky enough to see the 79th-minute try by Harry Randall to save a, uh, a draw. And Pete, your thoughts? I think you watched I, most of the stream. I did have the pleasure of, of actually watching the whole game uh, at home. I, I was a bit more organised than some of us. Yeah. Um, dedicated, but I'd Dedicated, say. yeah. yeah. Um, I mean, I, I think, to be honest, that the, the word that came to mind was challenging. I mean, it was challenging for the players out there because it was a, a slugfest. It was a mud bath. It was old school. I mean, it was it was kind of fun, to be honest, in those days. But it, in those ways, um, it was challenging for, uh, I imagine, for the Bristol fans that went out there as well to watch and, and probably had thought when they booked a weekend away in, uh, in, in Italy, they were expecting a sort of fantastic, you know, red wine, pizzas, and it was just a bit like a, a miserable day down the wreck, I reckon. <laughs> um, but it was also challenging for us who were watching it on live streaming because it is so difficult to keep up on what's going on in the game. And, and although I tried my best, I did miss a few things. But, I mean, fundamentally, it was, uh, you know, we got what we wanted. Event, You know, we got second rank and we've got a home semi-final. It kind of wasn't the way we were expecting. But ultimately, the boys, I mean, they did... They did work hard. I mean, there was a lot. Of, there's a lot of talking points we'll come to, but I think to, overall, you know, we got what we wanted, and uh, I think that's the big thing to focus on. Well, I'd like to thank you for your dedication. Obviously, Miles only watched ten minutes of the game. You watched the full stream. I watched the full stream. I know Lee won't let us down. Lee, what was your thoughts on the game? I I knew this was coming. <laughs> 
I actually see. Did you watch the game? I didn't see a stitch of it, Tony. And why was that? I was invited down to Sandy Park to um, to watch the Chiefs against La Rochelle, and um, it was actually you know my mate Paddy. Um, his boy um, Patrick's playing rugby for Clarkton. Paddy Junior. Paddy Junior. It was Paddy Junior Senior and and um, yeah, so it was a good it was a good day out actually at Sandy Park. I mean, if you're going to miss a game, it sounded like that was that was the one to miss. Yeah, um, I, I watched the whole stream as well, and um, we talked about the frustrations. It's great that you get the live stream so you can actually see the game, but the lack of any commentary, scoreboard, replays, countdown clock, um, you, you really have to concentrate. It's a so you don't miss and, it. and you literally can get up for two seconds to fill, you know, get another drink, you get back, and I, I mean, I, 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 and I saw, where's Nathan Hughes gone? <laughs> I, I, I missed yeah. it. And then, you know, I suddenly saw Cheedy trotting off just before the, I thought, what's, what's he doing? What's he running off for? And of mm. course, you know, I, I basically had to kind of then look on Twitter to find out what was going on. Um, it was challenging, yeah. uh, Tony, but, you know, we, we caught enough of it, I guess, didn't we? I think it was funny because I didn't realise till the game had finished that they were down to 14 men no. as well, because I think I got up, I, either the door went or went to get a drink and uh, came back and <laughs> thought, oh, they're hanging on, but they were hanging on with 14 men, so uh, more, more praise to them. Um, so if we talk about um, some of the performances, um, you know, I, I thought Matt Prothero, again, uh, had a good game. Not, not maybe the ideal pitch for him to, to show his qualities, but uh, I thought he played well. I thought Madigan did absolutely everything he needed to in, in the centre. It might have not been the most flamboyant of displays, but I, I don't think there was much wrong there. Um, and I was really pleased to see Sheedy again mixing it up. Mm. I, I thought... You know, he's continue, uh, his form has continued to, um, to to shine there. Pete, any, any yeah, thoughts? Yeah, and I think, I mean, I think we should mention the pack as a whole as well. I mean, they were up against a, a zebra defence that were up for it. And, you know, it was, a, it was a brutal game and it was a brutal game, you know, in mud as well. And I think, you know, I think all of the, the boys in the pack, you know, they, they just deserve a credit for just seeing it through. People like, I mean, Jake... Um, uh, Lewis Theed I mean these boys were in the front line um, I thought Hamilton had a very tidy game yeah. and I think he's growing in, in stature and confidence and clearly that's a good thing because we're going to need him um, and Heenan Heenan was man of the match and, and was everywhere and again I think that was a good game for, for someone like Heenan really because you know we're going to need him as well and, and if, if he comes out of that with a lot of confidence so I think uh, you know there, there were one or two issues with certain technical things I'd say um, that we may talk about in a sec but I think in terms of bravery and courage and commitment, we cannot, you know, we, I think they all deserve credit. I don't think we can pick anyone out. And they kept going and they kept going really, you know, basically kept going, having lost three lineouts and pretty much at 75 minutes have lost the opportunity to get something, had one more line out, they got the ball back, had one more line out, and we actually then won it and then scored the try. I mean, you've got to give credit for... And it was our, our man, little Harry Randall, that mm. skimmed, skimmed over. He, he decided to run forward for, for a bit rather than sideways and uh, straight in there. So, so yeah, good stuff. I, I think you're absolutely right to mention the pack uh, as a total uh, unit. Um, they were up against some big lads. And I think Zebra did... 
I see somewhere they put out 12 full Italian internationals for, for that game. So, you know, they, although they didn't really, I think, did they have an outside, outside chance of, of maybe getting one of the last spots? But it was kind of mathemat- mathematically very unlikely. They, they really put a competitive team out to... Yeah, uh, it's, to not, it's not like an Italian team to start strongly uh, <laughs> and, then, no. and then weaken at the end, is it? Well, like, you, you look at that first 20 minutes. I mean, we were absolutely dominant. We, there was loads of pressure. We just didn't capitalise. I think if we made that early pressure count and scored once or twice... I think we would have gone on but they grew in confidence and obviously scored yeah. the try just before half time the yellow card for Sheedy which by the letter of the law was absolutely right um, and then we were on the back foot but all credit to the boys for turning it round at the end yeah. I think I think we, we definitely give them credit but I, I've got to say uh, to be constructive I think we played into their hands a bit too much I mean that first half we had some Quite a lot of possession on their line first 10-20 minutes. Didn't make it count. Tried to do too many fancy things again. Dropped the ball, knocked it on, you know, and then it came out in the second half. And then, you know, then they got a bit of uh, bit of territory and then they scored against, perhaps against the run of play. Second half, I was thinking, come on, boys, this is, forget about, forget about running rugby. This is classic ball in the shirt, in the jersey, six or seven forwards together, piling forward. Say to Luke Morahan, sorry, mate, you're just going to, you know, you're on your own out there, do a bit of defence and just get the ball in. And, and I just think we, we had a lot of possession, but it was possession without territory and, and it just wasn't the game. And that was my only criticism, really, that we didn't, again, look like we could change our game plan quickly well I think uh, in you you kind of alluded to it was the line out which was hugely disappointing I think through through the whole 80 minutes uh, Will Capon um, nice yellow hat I don't know whether that that threw him off a little bit but lots of his line out throws weren't straight and we, we, we wasted some good position in the first half and then those three penalties in the last 10 minutes kicked into their 22 and we lost all three right. line-outs. You know, potentially, you could have seen us scoring one or two yeah. tries and blowing them away. I mean, but the, the, the line-outs, I don't know how much credit to the Italian team, but it didn't work all through the I game. Had, I mean, I had a bit of... Whilst, you know, watching it on live streaming, I kept myself interested by having a bit of a, a Twitter banter with a few of our regulars. And I had a bit of a... I, had a, I, mean, I was called to account a little bit by our, one of our, our good followers big huge swede who, who and i had put something on i can't believe we've lost three in a row and he said well to be fair there was two zebra you know nicked it you know that was good play by them and and he's right but i you know but three and also then i thought well hang on if they'd worked out our our, our line out codes you know that's a little bit annoying because they're not even they don't even speak english so you know they you know it's a bit worrying if a, if a load of italians could work out our uh, our codes but yeah i mean the thing is Forget that for the moment. You're right. We then, when it really mattered, we pulled it off. And although it is disappointing, and, and obviously there's going to be stuff to work on, um, you know, we did come through in the end. But it was it was dodgy, got to say. And, and I know it was right in front of the post, but Callum Sheedy's kick might be the most important two points of the season because yeah. that that got us the draw, got us the two um, points. Um, points difference better than Bordeaux and, mm-hmm. and meant that we got that, that second seed. So let me, let, let's just have a quick uh, talk about the quarterfinals. 
Um, let me come to Miles. Your thoughts on us facing dragons? Well, uh, you mean the, the ex-Bristol dragons? Well, it's, I mean, it's a cracking sort of uh, M4 corridor tie, isn't it? Coming across from Newport and Gwent. Um, and the looking at the seeds of all the games is probably the one I think I would have chosen, to be honest with you. At Ashton Gate, I mean, that should be winnable. Should mm. be winnable, but easily, really. But as we said, there's three or four ex-Bristol players. They know that, well, actually, it's before Pat Lamb's time, isn't it? Yeah, so our yeah. style of play has changed massively. You know, coaching has been here in, in the past in Dean Ryan. Um, I think a, a great result and a good draw, actually. Yeah, OK, let me come to Lee then, because if we win that, we will play um, the winners of either Bordeaux and Edinburgh, your thoughts on a, a potential semi-final? I don't want to get too far ahead of ourselves, but your thoughts on that if we do get past the Dragons? Uh, well, I mean, it, it will be tricky because I think Dragons are in great form. So, um, I, personally, I think Bordeaux will win that game and we could have Semi making his first appearance uh, in a, a year early. In a, a year early in a semi-final, we'll which would be... A Semi with Semi. A Semi uh, with Semi. And... Um, It'll be quite interesting to see how he plays, really, wouldn't it? I mean, I th- yeah. I'm sure he's, he'll give 100%, but, but maybe not 101. Yeah. <laughs> and then if we look at the other side of the draw, we've got Toulon against Scarlet. I think the form that Toulon are in, you, yeah. you can't really see much past them getting a yeah. home win. And then it's Leicester against Castre. Um So, you know, is it a Toulon-Leicester potentially um, other semi-final I think so I mean it is looking like you look at that all the home teams should win looking at the quarterfinals which yeah. mean we'd have two English teams and two French teams in the semi-finals isn't it which oh, yes. is great and I think I think European rugby would be quite excited about that draw yeah. as well I think yeah. uh, you know it's not just the Champions Cup I think you know, we've we've contributed a lot to this Challenge Cup, and then you know, there's some going to be some, you know, that final is going to be a, a decent final, well, whoever is in. You it, would have thought Toulon would be the favourites, wouldn't you, mm-hmm. at this point? The guest, Pro- probably, 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 yeah. Well, before we move on and talk about the Gloucester game, um, let's just talk about some of those injuries. Um, we had Nathan Hughes off for a head injury assessment, which he failed. So. That's probably got to put in um, a question mark um, for for the Gloucester game coming up. Um, do you want to talk about Stephen Luatoa? Yeah, I mean, I know Luatoa went off, and um, having said that, he did tweet afterwards that he said something like "Cheers uh, for this Zebri," because he had a big uh, "Cheers mm. for me black eye." It's always a hard place, but I kind of, you know, I was quite positive by the fact that he kind of come out and said it, which makes me think that he's got a good old big stake on it at the moment and uh, he'll be ready for next... next. Uh, yeah. He'll be ready for next Saturday. Okay. You know, to, to Big Steve, I mean, you know, a black eye, it's just it's just okay. par for the course, isn't yeah. it? I mean, I don't think he expected anything less from no, uh, exactly. from the game. So I'm not worried about him. Um, but, you know, he, he will probably be looking forward to a rest, I imagine, after the Gloucester game because he's put in yeah. shift after yeah. shift so far this season. Captain Fantastic. Yeah. And, of course, we had an injury before the game in training... Uh, Miles to Sam Bradley. I mean, this is all. I mean, this is, our sort of centres are being decimated by the week and by the session, by yeah. the looks of it, aren't they? We'll obviously go and talk about the Gloucester game, but um, sort of scraping at the barrel in the, in the centres, and it's a bit of a worry. I, I, I think 
I'm not that worried about Bedloe. I read, I'm sure I read somewhere that it was he, he didn't go to Zebri as a precaution rather than right. as a total result oh, okay. of the, the injury. And I, I think, I could be wrong, and I'm sure someone out there might know more than me, but I just have this feeling that he was he, he was out of that whole squad for the very reason that he'll give him mm. two weeks to whatever how long it was to get ready for the glossy because mm. we're definitely going to need him. Well, also, we've, I mean, obviously, we've drafted in Emery Purdy as well now, haven't we? And I mean, he'll be chomping it a bit to get get his teeth into Gloucester, the team that released him. Yeah. Let him go, absolutely. Um, and it's in his week down the line for, for the calls, the, the plays and stuff for the week. So, you know... Yeah, well, he was, he was accelerated into the team on Saturday, mm, so you imagine yeah. he's been doing quite a lot of, quite yeah. a lot of homework, burning, yeah. the old, the, uh, burning the candle at both ends. So let, let's leave the European Challenge Cup behind yeah. then and, and look to the big West Country derby at the gate on Saturday... Bristol Bears versus Gloucester um, and as normal our, our, our friend of the podcast Neil Williams the club statistician has Stand given cool. us um, some some stats on this week's opponents first game um, was September 1892 and in fact apart from Bath we have played Gloucester more than any other team in the league um, our record against them, um, we have played them 226 times. We've won 86 of those, drawn 18 and lost 122. Damn. Our league record um, against Gloucester is played 37, won 12, drawn 1 and lost 24. And of those games, 19 have been played at home, of which we've won nine and lost 10. But the light, little bit of light is that we are unbeaten against Gloucester in our last three games. That's two cup games and, of course, the league game where we beat them at the gate towards the end of last season. Yeah, yeah. So, big game coming up. We've talked about some of the injuries. We think um, it, uh, Nathan Hughes has got to be uh, a big doubt. Um, if if we go round, maybe Pete, can you tell me what you think about the front five? Who who possibly is going to come in? Well, oh, oh I've t- do you have to ask me about that? I've got <laughs> I've written down five big questions for the Gloucester game, and not one of those questions was about the front five. Can you give someone else a chance? I want to come to one of mine. Well, if we, if we go in the league, you can you're more professional <laughs> yeah. being able to deal with a question <laughs> that, 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 that he has three grand an answer for. I mean, we've got. I imagine Jake will play. Yeah. yeah. Fat will play. Yeah. Um, I'm not sure who's going to... Because we've, we've still got a lot of injuries in that position as well, haven't we? I think Feed or Lahif. I think we're unsure about Lahif. Yeah, but that's... Yeah. He had a stinger. Yeah. I don't know how long right. those take. I, I, again, I... Like a bee sting. I think I saw someone that they're hoping for him to be back. Mm. Um, but actually, the, you know, I thought he pretty, pretty good. And he was interviewed post match looking very muddy mm. and looked quite quite chipper with mm. his interview. Okay. And, uh, and I think, you know, for him, he probably really enjoyed that game, I imagine, because he's been out for a while. And, and actually, if you're in the front row, you probably want a game like that, you know, yeah. where you're right oh, stuck yeah. in. So actually, um, I would. Having not said I wouldn't answer this question, <laughs> I agree with you. Actually. You want to, you want to I'd say Walmore, Facker, Feed. Yeah, and yeah. Uh, in the second row, uh, I think we've got uh, we've got have Chris back in, do we? I uh, agree. Yeah. yeah, and I mean, I think really after his performance against Breve, it's got to be big day. Yes, yeah. big day. That's, That's what I was thinking. Yeah. Um, 
Uh, is there any particular questions you want me well, to ask you? Yeah. Well, well, no, 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 hang on. I'm going to go to Miles next. Well, 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 okay. If you don't have Big Dave and, uh, and, and, and Chris, who are you going to have on the bench as backup? <sighs> I don't know. Joycey, I'd put in. Well, this on the bench. Joycey's probably got to be the We're first choice. Well, Holmes, and, Holmes and, and, was, Holmes and I, Joyce. I, I would imagine it would be Holmes, I would have thought. Mm. Although I wonder, I mean, I did wonder about Joyce might be there as a as a back row option as well. If we're, uh, you know, if Steve Luatoa is a bit crocked, yeah, um, because we're a bit short on them. Um, well, actually, that was one of my questions, Tone, that I gave to myself the back row. But anyway, yeah. it. Well, I'm going to ask Miles. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> do you look at, hey, Miles, do you want to look at my notes? Well, yeah, what, yeah, what question yeah, are you yeah, going to ask, yeah, Tony? Yeah. yeah. So, so we've got a question mark at eight. You know, I, I think we've got to assume that maybe Hughes isn't going to be. Um, yeah. So, so who plays at eight? Uh, well, we've been really impressed with Hamilton, yeah, haven't we? Yeah, he, he's yeah. played a blinder for the last two matches when yeah. he's come on and played a full match. Um, but yeah, should they get any injury? I mean, who do we have there as a replacement for him? I'm not entirely well, we're, sure. We're really pushing the picking well, the bones out of it now. Yeah. Aren't we? Well, Luato has played at eight, hasn't he? So yeah. if, mm, if he's yeah. fit, that that gives an option. Vui's well. yes. played in the back row as well. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we don't. I yeah. Yeah, and then um, you could potentially bring um, well, well Joycey in at, at lock, you, and then put Vui. A little, a little, out, an outside uh, left field bencher for the back row was um, Sam Graham, who a couple of seasons ago broke through as a big. And I noticed he played, he's played for the A team against Saracens this weekend, and he played. He's been he played for Hartbury or Dings or someone. Scored a lot of tries, so I, I wonder whether he's you know for when we need desperate times, he's he's ready. Are you are you going to throw him in to on the bench? To, to, on the bench. Uh, obviously, Dan Thomas. Yeah, is going to come back. Uh, I think if Luato is fit, yeah, and probably Hamilton. You know, if yeah. if, if uh, Hughes can't play, um, mm. unless you have you got Heenan in, as well, uh, and then Luato at number eight. So mm. um, I think we'll probably all agree that Sheedy's going to be the starting ten. Uh, who, who comes in at scrum half? Randall. Randall every day of the week. Right, so let's move on then from that. <laughs> um, Pete's waving his hand around. That was good. Yeah. yeah. Um, centres. Who's going to play centre? Well, I think I've put here. Um, Shall we let Pete answer this? Yes. Yeah. yeah. You looking at me? You put your hand towards he's, me. He's, I mean, I think that was a question he wanted in the first place. It, it's yeah. tricky. This. It does depend on Bedlow. It does depend. Now, yeah. assuming yeah. Bedlow's fit, he'll start. Then you've got a, a dilemma: is do you put Purdy in, who potentially is a is a centre? He's been brought in as centre cover, and we need cover. Or do you think we'll put Alapati in again? And have Purdy on the bench as a kind of as a swap in, and I'm not sure. I mean, it seems quite a big game to throw in Purdy straight away. However, in the context of stuff that's happened this weekend, pressure off maybe a little bit. I, I don't know. I mean, it, I mean, Leo. Le- Le- it's hard to say. It's hard to say. Le- but then Le- Le- he the might calls, play on the wing. He? Yeah, yeah. but he, I think he's going to play somewhere. And I yeah. think if he doesn't play in the centre, he'll play on the wing. So yeah. therefore, there's a dilemma. So. So you're ruling out Ian Madigan starting at inside centre. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, so, I hate to say it, but I just think he's brought Purdy in. Yeah, you know he hasn't brought Madigan in as That's cover not, he, for the no, centre. No, no, so he, no. he only played Madigan really. You know, I hate to say it because he is a he's a great lad and a friend of the pod, but it was probably because of all the injuries that well, came in we, with Zebri. We know that Pat's looking at other options yeah. isn't he, on the field, and, and Mads is is not. 
not really part of his future. But plans. we'd like to, yeah. But it'd be nice if we were proved wrong, though. But yeah. I, so I'm, I think. Uh, but then, of course, if if Bedlow is cropped, then that does raise. I mean, I think Purdy will have to start, won't he? I can't think yeah. of anyone else who'd be in there, and it'd probably be Purdy and yeah. Alapati, which is what? one out of position and one who hasn't played. Well, yeah. I do. I do wonder whether Madigan will be on the bench to cover. Ten and the centre position. Lloyd. Well, Ewan Lloyd's been called up by the Wales Welsh. under twenties, yeah. yeah. and I don't know when he goes to to that Ooh. squad. Obviously, he was dropped down to the A team for um, this weekend. Mm. Um, a very good draw actually against Saracens. Yeah, it was, yeah, it was good. Um, they only only got the draw. Saracens. Saracens right new first team. Yeah. Which would be interesting to ask Neil on the stats uh, when we've had two draws in in. You know, with the A team and the full team, two draws in a weekend because that couldn't have happened very often. Cool, that's, that's, a, difficult, like that, that's a difficult question. Mm-hmm. Oh, yes. Stato. Um, Stato will be on it. So, uh, and I think Prothero is well, I think uh, nailed on. That was one of my things. I mean, I think Prothero is a big week for Prothero because you know he's now got a real opportunity to really stamp his credentials in the big time well again released, released by Gloss as well so yeah but yeah, I, ju- yeah. I just think you know he is a class player and he needs a, a platform and he's, at, he's he's run his heart out literally through mud in France yeah. got nowhere but he kept going and comes to the gate against his old side yeah. he knows he's got a chance of a run of games he's electric he's got dancing feet the crowd of I think I think he's a car. I think it's not just he's playing. I think it's a big big day for him. Yeah, I yeah. agree. And of course, we've got lots of as you'd expect for two uh, teams so ge- geographically close. We've got lots of players that have played for both um, teams. We've got John Afoa, Dave Atwood, our friend Jason Woodward, um, Jan Thomas, Dan Thomas, Harry Randall, Matt Prothero, Henry Purdy now as well. Uh, as well as Callum Braley, um, uh, Joe Batley, Jamal Ford-Robertson, Joe Latter, Ross McMillan. So there's lots of players mm. that have played for both teams, and in that list, which isn't a you know that's a, full, a fairly full recent list, list that's, as a, well, that's a fairly it? recent list. Um, so there will be lots of interest, I think, the um, with some old rivalries there. You're listening to Bears Beyond the Gate, a Bristol Bears podcast made by fans for fans. We're available on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, TuneIn, Podbean, and many more platforms. If you like what you hear, please leave a review or rating for the show. You can contact us with your comments and ideas by email at bearsbeyondthegate at gmail.com. On Twitter, we're at bearsbeyondgate. And on our Facebook page, you can follow us. Look for Bears Beyond the Gate. Right, final part of the show gets my goat. There's only one word I'm going to say. It begins with S and ends with Arisons. Saracens. <laughs> Do you know, I, I had got to a point with this whole Saracens uh, malarkey that, uh, you know, they got caught out, they're taking their punishment. We were starting to hear some of the right noises from the club, um, from Saracens, uh, about wanting to put things right. And then those revelations on Friday that, you know, the amount of money they were over the salary cap mm-hmm. and the fact that they, was it two million? We, we mm-hmm. were speculated yeah. that they had to slash from the wage bill. The fact that they were still with um, no, it seems, intention to get under the salary cap this season. 
Um, you know, to me, I, I think they've they've got their just desserts. I think relegation is is what they deserve. So, Miles, what's your thought on the subject? And of course, you were you were up at Allianz Park for the game um, just before Christmas. Well, absolutely. I mean, you know, that that second half at, at, at Allianz Park was painful. I mean, obviously, we now know that they were paying massive over the salary cap and have won European leagues. Uh, premiership leagues out of the last five years but a lot of them are just downright cheating yeah um, and you could almost as a sort of fan this season think like well there should be just all those games that have been lost against Salafs and Saracens this year should be should be blanked out shouldn't they yeah um, and it's just desserts really I mean to, the fact you're right to find that they're saying that they're potentially two million over the salary cap it's just a kick in the teeth for all the other clubs in the actual league. And, you know, just deserves, absolutely. And Lee, your thoughts? Well, I was going to say, I totally agree with you and Miles. And I, I think that, I mean, let's get this right, this has been going on for years as well. Yeah. I mean, we heard, we heard this story, what, three, four years ago at Ealing. And it, it's just, like Miles has said, blatant cheating. I mean, as much as I feel sorry for the, the supporters of Saracens, you know... This is they, they've not even attempted to get anywhere near close to it, and it's just laughing in the face of the other teams. Do you not think? I totally agree, but I mean, do you not think also there is a question's got to be raised about the whole governance of the Premiership as oh, well? Absolutely. I mean, you know, this has happened on the Premiership's watch. You know, there is a, a salary cap manager, there's chief executives. You know, I mean, they've been pretty quiet about this whole thing until right at the last minute. You know, it doesn't appear like we're actually going to get any real transparency about what exactly has mm. happened. And, and whilst there's absolutely no doubt that Saracens, you know, are, are guilty and they've been punished, it doesn't help when you don't quite know what exactly has been going on. Um, and also, it doesn't really help when you think, well... Could this have been avoided in the last five, four or five years? So just something to think about there. Of this whole sorry saga, one thing that particularly gets my goat is um, the fact they were given this ultimation, mm. ultimatum, weren't they? That yeah. you either open your books yeah. for a forensic audit or take relegation. Mm. Now, how Where'd much have they choice? still got to yeah. hide? How much have they still got to hide? that this club, the English and European champions, said straight away, well, reasonably straight away, will yeah. take relegation. Yeah. They still haven't opened their books. We don't know how far back this goes or how big it is. That's and that most, gets my yeah, going. Yeah, right. That's how, the most telling thing for me. Yeah, you're right. How have they been given the option yeah, of using this? It's just outrageous, <laughs> isn't it? Yeah, crazy. Let's just go to one of the questions that was posed to us on social media, on our Twitter feed. It's coming from uh, Connor Knapp, uh, at Connor Knapp 194 And he says, with safety guaranteed for 11 of the 12 clubs before the season's midpoint, will this be an insight as to what the Premiership will look like if it gets ring-fenced? Will we see uh, more positive play, perhaps? But then also a lack of competition between the lower sides once the top spots are out of reach. Um, can I come to you first, Pete, for your thoughts? Yeah, I mean, it's a good question, Connor, and it's one that I kind of pondered as well over the weekend. And it initially, I've got to say, I, th- I thought, yeah, this is, this, is, this is quite exciting. This is, we've now got a bit of a test case 
for Ring Fence Rugby. And, you know, we've been talking about this on and off for years and kind of weighing up the pros and cons and, and so forth. And, you know, I've generally instinctively been, rightly or wrongly, someone who's been a bit pro ring fencing for this very idea that I think it will then unleash the shackles a little bit. But... Um, I don't know. I, I'm I'm now wondering, you know, when you've got 14 or whatever, how many games left and, you know, what you, you've got some goals to play for. You've got top four, top six, but it, ugh, I don't know now. I, I, I'm not sure about it. And I think, Lee, you've got a, a, yeah. a view on this, I, haven't you? Well, I kind of, I, I, I agree with you, but I come from the opposite side of it. I mean, morally, I'm against ring fencing because, you know, I think in, in any sport, the aspiration to be able to achieve promotion and you know it's that's the dream isn't it I mean but I do agree or avoid relegation or avoid relegation I mean I do agree that the season um, it it can peter out now I mean you you could potentially be 15 games into a season and and you're done I mean would we really enjoy as much going down the gate and not really worrying about anything because you know part of our kind of psyche as as Bristol fans and and probably a few other clubs similar ideas is that it's you know we had a great start to the season we were full of full of like everything and then suddenly the last five you know like four or five games we haven't won and you start to sort of worry and you go down the gate and although it's not particularly enjoyable it's kind of makes you feel alive a little bit doesn't it and I'm worried that we will miss it. You know, that'll go. Miles. Well, well I mean, I'm going to disagree with Pete on this. I think the rival we have with the likes of Bath and Gloucester will just keep this league alive. I mean, there's no way we want Gloucester to win this weekend and we want to smash Bath at the rec, don't we? Yeah. And I think the closeness, closeness mm-hmm. of the, the, the leagues within that, the fact that we, you know, teams want to get top four, want to get top six, hopefully keep this an exciting game. Yeah, and I agree. It gives more chance to bring, you know, the teams to bring youngsters through because, you know, if they don't have to worry of relegation, you can throw a few youngsters that are coming through the academy system and they can develop. I mean, fundamentally, you're going to try and play to win rather than try to play to not lose. Yeah. That is a a subtle difference. And I think if you create one way or another uh, a goal of winning or a desire to win, be it through local derbies or sort of you know I mean this is the thing we've actually got an opportunity now the people that run the game can can sort of think well let's see how it goes and, and if this is the future we can think about what might make this competition that, that could be a very interesting topic for a, a future podcast uh, another question then this is coming uh, from Nick Howell N-E Howell 76 uh, question for the pod this week with the financially significant Sinclair deal not confirmed yet and highly likely there will be player turnover at Saracen soon. Is the club better off putting any Sinclair deal on hold to see who becomes available? Lee, do you want to well, take that's, this one? That's a cracking question, I think. That's brilliant. Um, yeah, it's a tricky one. I mean, like, for me personally, I think that the Sinclair deal, I mean, we, we none of us know exactly how, how far down the line we are, but I would guess that that probably is quite a way down by now and it would be too late to... I don't think it would be right because I personally I'd love to see Sinclair in our, in our team I think what you're trying to say is that 
I think we have to look these two separate two separate issues. I think we've identified if Sinclair is true, and again we're only speculating, but we know that we we need a tight head prop in this mm. modern game. You need a tight head prop who does more than just push. Someone who's comfortable on the ball, someone who can offload, someone who can get yards. That's been identified as someone we need. Sinclair is the man we want. If Mads leaves, there's money for him. I think that that's still on the table. I think that's. I don't think we'll swap that. I think what we'll be looking for with Saracens is not necessarily any of the big players because we've probably got any money left but I think we need to snap up some of the uh, some of the, the younger ones or some of the kind of the, the non-England ones on smaller contracts well let's develop that then I'm going to come to Miles which one or maybe two players if there was scope in our our salary would you like to see us take or you think we need those positions to strengthen I mean, I think as we've alluded to on many a previous pod, a nine and a ten is where we're a bit lacking, isn't it, to compete, you know, top four and, and with Europe as well. Um, I'd love Lazowski, wouldn't you, to come yeah. to come to Saracens? I mean, you could ask you to Bristol even to, to Bristol <laughs> <laughs> from Saracens to Bristol. Oh, miles uh, and. Yeah, Lazowski. Le- mm. Sorry. Um, what about Richard Wigglesworth on a one-year contract? Because just of his age, is that what you're getting at? Well, just because I think he's yeah. still got something to offer, but then we got we didn't need him really because we what we're driving for. But I mean, he's a. Don't know. I mean, what about single? I mean, you still... so so your one or two would be. You'll say. I mean, yeah, maybe you're right. I mean, um, I mean, Spencer. Spencer. Spencer and yeah. I. I I hate to say, I did tweet this. I think Farrell's arrogance doesn't suit Pat's way, That's and so I think Spencer and Lazowski, yeah, would be would be good purchases. And I think the other thing with Farrell, he he's grown up and come through the ranks at Saracens more mm. than any other player. You know, his dad mm. was there as well. Yeah. I think it would be such a wrench for him to leave, but but who knows if he will? So let me come to Lee then. The one or two players you think we we maybe go the, for? Lazowski, definitely. Um, Versatile. Yeah, that, the same. <laughs> him as well. <laughs> that's that's my two. That's my two. <laughs> um, I think versatile player would fit the mould for us perfectly. Um, I mean, it's not an area that we necessarily need to strengthen, but I mean, if you were going to let me have one, it would be a toji all day long. But um, and there's also a couple of the um, a couple of the Welsh lads who play for Saris as well, aren't there? Which you know just Tompkins. kind of. Um, now a couple of youngsters maybe that we could bring you know bring right. through again through the system so okay Pete yeah. what's what's your thoughts Singleton they're you know they're Jamie George understudy he can't be on a huge amount I would have thought because he's but he's England and we've talked about you know a hooker um, to, to go head to head with with um, Thacker um, and I agree I, I, I think I've always said Lazowski get it right because um, he's not going to get picked by England I think but he's someone something we need in the mm. centre um, I mean someone like Malins you know the people that destroyed us when we went up there mm. Malins and Tompkins in the middle uh, and one of those boys maybe now it's interesting nobody, nobody I mean the two that I would have um, gone for is probably uh, Lozowski as well because of his um, <laughs> ability to play in the centre and across right across the back line um, and not that I think we need I think Atoji is one of the best players in his position in the world but I wouldn't see we'd need a premium sign-in like that because I think we're well, quite well looked after in the locks. But who I always enjoy seeing play is Will Skelton. 
Yeah. Mm. Now he's uh, didn't play long today, did he? he? No. no. He's got Samoan parents. He's from New Zealand. I know yeah, he plays for shame. Australia. Um, and I was surprised. I, he's only twenty-seven. Is he? He's only twenty-seven. Jesus. And a quick quiz for the listeners to the podcast and the three of you here is: What size shoes does Will Skelton have? Sixteen. Fifteen. Seventeen. And the correct answer, he's size 19. Oh, <laughs> Jesus. Um, he's a big unit. But, but uh, yeah, if you want someone to uh, run with mm. the ball... Um, That's a great chair. But I think one of the problems, and this has been quite widely covered, is that most teams are going to be up to their, their kind of limit. They've already planned... Um, for next season so is there going to be any scope to take the big stars in a couple of ideas I've had um, is because of this whole situation and almost as a a, a secondary punishment because is relegation for one year enough that you would maybe for one or two seasons um, only allowed a allowed teams to have a third marquee player which means they'd be outside of the cap um, and that means that lots of those players could then go. Obviously, the clubs would still have to find the money. Or do you say, actually, we are going to raise the cap by half a million next year? Um, which, again, would probably mean that most clubs, if they could find that extra half million, would be able to... Um, I, th- I think that's a great show. I was thinking the same thing myself, because it, it, what we, we, we don't want to lose these players. They're class players. We don't want... We want them to stay in England. We want them to stay in the Premiership, yeah. don't we? And I think exceptions are the rule, you know, maybe for a season or two. I think that's a cracking but, idea. I mean, I agree with you. But there, but there'll be. I mean, we'll we'd do quite well out of that because we've got the richest owner in mm. uh, in Premiership rugby, and you Even know, better. if it's outside the cap, um, we. But I mean, you know, there's going to be an argument. There'll be some teams that say, well, wait, we. It's all very well giving us the opportunity to have a third marquee player, but if we can't pay for it, how's that fair? Yeah. When big Bristol Bears can pay for it, I mean, I can see, I can see Steve Diamond already <laughs> sharpening his pencil on this one. Yeah. But anyway, yeah. Um, but you know, if Saracens go down with that squad and come yeah. straight back up, you know, how, how much punishment has that it's been? A dilemma, isn't it? Um, well, there is a question about them having to meet the cap, isn't there, for two years? Well, I saw that. I think it was yeah. somebody on Facebook says that although there's no salary cap in the championship, yeah. to get promoted, you have to play within the premiership salary yeah. cap. Yeah, the season you get promoted plus the previous one. Yeah. So does that mean does, that I Saracens would be down for two years? I think every yeah. way you look at it, these boy, the big Saracens players are up creek without a paddle yes. because yeah. they... They they're not going to want they're not going to get salaries if they get relegated they ain't going to get paid mm. what they're paid now they're potentially not going to get paid in any other Premiership club um, and then if they go abroad to France or Japan they ain't going to be playing for England mm. um, and it's a it's a massive dilemma it hasn't really solved it's solved a little bit of a problem but there's still a lot of questions and I agree with Miles about the fact that you know these Saracens players it's all very well you know we can have a bit of a whoa, boo boys at them but these are boys that made up the core of the England team and we're all massive England fans here and so are lots of fans of all the other club, clubs in the Premiership and if we for whatever reason we lose something like the likes of Itoji and the Vunapolas and, and so forth because of something I mean it is a mess and it's going to take a while but that's, that's mm. the problem you know we can't see the 
the outcome of the audit, can we? Now, if we did, we, we'd have some idea of what kind of figures we're talking yeah. about. I, th- I think the good thing is, you know, uh, up until a few weeks ago, there was some question about whether all the Saracens players would play in the Six Nations, you know, if they needed to make up all these points to, to stay up. Mm. Well, there can be no reason now why Saracens players aren't picked by Eddie, mm. um, unless, of course, they're like Billy Vunapola with a suspected broken yeah. arm. Um, but I think, yes, it does beg the question, once you get into next season... Um, if players do start going abroad because they're in their final few years in the professional game and they go to France or they go to Japan, uh, what impact is that going to have on England? But I suppose you could also argue that it's an opportunity for that, that well, bright young talent that's coming yeah. through uh, to, to actually get, get the games and uh, create the next generation. And also, yeah, I mean, a perfect timing, isn't it? We've just, just gone past the World Cup now. So if yeah. you're going to rebuild, now's the time to do it. Yeah. So. Yeah. Well, there we are. That's it for this week. A historic week for English rugby with Saracens destined to relegation after eight games of the season. But more importantly, from our perspective, Bristol Bears are in a European Challenge Cup quarterfinal, a home to local rivals, the Dragons. So let's keep our fingers crossed for a good performance against Gloucester and to get back to winning ways in the Premiership. Until next week, bye-bye from Bears Beyond the Gate. Good Good